All right, howlers, let's get howling. But first, a couple quick warnings. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. Don't be a pixie. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising saga. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us, howlerpod at gmail.com. Visit howlerpod.com. And don't forget to rate and review us. Five stars only. (laughs) If you don't give us five stars, we will rip all your clothes off and stab you in the cheek and the butt with a bunch of knives. And now, Howler Pod. The measure of a man is not the fear he sows in his enemies. It is the hope he gives his friends. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising saga by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. Ow, ow. I'm your host, Ben Reinert. I am joined today, as always, by the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. All right, before we get started today... We have a couple quick things we want to talk about. First thing, happy birthday, Pierce. HBDPB. Nice one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're recording on Pierce's birthday. If you haven't given him a shout out yet, this is like four days late, but happy. You should give him a belated happy birthday. Merry Piercemas. Merry Piercemas. We've coined it. Yes, term. that's a play on Christmas. <laughs> and yes, I'm calling Pierce Brown Christ. <laughs> also, it's the 50th episode of Howler Pod. Good job, Ben. That's it, fucking insane. This is only happening because you're a huge fucking nerd, and I happen to have nothing better to do with my life. <laughs> 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 I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm not sure how Just I should take kidding. that. I have loved every minute of it, and I've also mostly loved diving deep into these books. That's true. This is like the only homework I've done that I've actually enjoyed. (laughs) There's no doubt about it. We want to say thank you to you guys for listening. We would not have made it to 50. Not just listening, but messaging (laughs) us, sending us voicemails, sending us emails, sending us lots of DMs. Yeah. Because without your encouragement, we probably would have quit a long time ago. So this is for you. Happy 50. (laughs) And by this is for you, I mean chapter 31. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, it is kind of. fitting that on our like highest moment like we've got this huge triumphant moment of our 50th episode we're about to come crashing down hard as fuck uh with some uh extremely gory deaths just like the red rising series always always does us so what are we doing today ben it's gonna be chapters 31 through 35 hashtag sad hashtag crying emoji hashtag stabbed in the teeth hashtag volleyball you're really hitting that volleyball hard (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> let's load up this star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries hopefully we don't shit our suits or lose our heads hopefully we don't lose our teeth <laughs> i don't know what's worse getting your teeth stabbed or losing your head i'm gonna go with the second one. Oh yeah 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 chapter 31 virginia day of red doves buckle up guys <laughs> this is a long one 
Virginia and Daxo enter the forum, passing from her lion guard over to the wardens. Bad plan number one. Virginia begins her speech and then passes the floor to Daxo. He pumps up the optimates and the rest of the allies. Then, curiously, Publius the Incorruptible passes his time to speak along to the next block. Hmm, it's getting a little shady. Not great, Bob. Mustang then receives a secret message from Theodora saying Severo has news. It's bad news. His voice comes through her ear calm, and he says there are bone riders on Earth. Bone riders? What the fuck? They should be in deep grave. There should not be bone riders. Dancer gets up to speak. He hiccups while speaking before vomiting blood and lung tissue on the senators below him. Virginia calls Holiday. She's on her way, but the lion guards are unresponsive. The senators around Dancer begin coughing up blood and dying as well. Daxo rushes Mustang along with the gold and gray senators forming a wall around her to protect her. The wardens guarding the doors turn and walk out of the room. Dancer dies, and Publius stands, pointing a finger at Mustang, shouting, Tyrant. The surviving Vox pick up the cry. Daxo and Mustang rush towards the door, and Holiday is outside exchanging heavy fire with an enemy Drakenjaeger. Daxo speeds ahead to catch the closing giant garage door, <laughs> but can't hold it despite his giant muscles. Instead of escaping himself, he looks at Mustang and lets the door close. The pull shield holding the crowds of Vox supporters outside comes crashing down, and the uh, mob rushes in to attack the senators and fill the forum. The golden obsidians near Mustang form a line of resistance with the grays behind them and then the weaker colors behind them. Daxo tears his toga off and spins Mustang's Dawn Scepter, welcoming the oncoming crowds with his giant scary muscles and gold angel head tattoo, I guess. And then Mustang's behind this line of resistance and she pulls her hidden razor out. The crowd then attacks and although Daxo does a very impressive kill everyone in reach moment like Darrow normally does, he is overcome by the sea of the mob. Mustang is taken down and stabbed everywhere, her clothes ripped off. She goes in and out of consciousness and is lifted and carried above the crowd. She is crowd surfing, but not the fun kind. Yeah, this is, don't want to be crowd surfing in this, this crowd. This is not at a concert. <laughs> she sees Daxo held down by an obsidian man while his head is chopped off by a large red woman. Oh, wait. It's not a red. It's fucking Lilith. The queen of the syndicate. Fucking Lilith. I need a drink. <laughs> Chapter 32. Darrow in wake. Darrow and his men prepare to burn the bodies of the fallen soldiers. Uh, Callaway returns with Orion after his endless hunt to find her body. It is swollen and destroyed by seawater and fish. He collapses and the medics take him away. The bodies are burned and Darrow slumps away. Daryl finds Rona waiting at the Gravloop Station Tunnel for Alexander after the 83,426 refugees passed through. That's a lot. Good job, Alexander. Darrow says if he were coming through, he would be there by now. They have to collapse the tunnel for security reasons. Darrow and Rona count him as lost, and the tunnel is collapsed. Later, Darrow meets with his team to discuss the refugees. The radiation has poisoned everyone, and they are all sitting around the table bald and nauseous 
There aren't enough anti-rads for all the refugees and the army. Despite Thrax's opinion, Darrow tells them to share what they have with civilians. That's nice, Darrow. They're all going to die anyway. You shouldn't uh, share anything with these people. Yeah, they suck. Because they're going to turn on you. Chapter 33, Darrow, The Devil's Deal. Atalantia calls Darrow from the Anihilo, her ship. Darrow throws some sick burns at her, but she knows something he doesn't know. She plays Darrow the whole day of Red Dove's catastrophe. She will also share it with his whole army. The Republic is not coming to save them. Atalantia tells Darrow to surrender. After the call, Darrow replays it to his core team. He tells them that because of the circumstances, he doesn't think that he is fit to make a decision about Atalantia's demands. He leaves the war room and the fate of his army to his friends. Lady, I fucked you up. (laughs) Sick birds. (laughs) But then it's like, oh, Oh. it's kind of embarrassing (laughs) that you said that because she knows about Mustang. (laughs) That sucks. Chapter 34, Lysander, Shadows of War. Lysander, who was saved by Caladora and Roan, has a really bad case of the melty face and no eyeball. <laughs> melty as, face. <laughs> as he walks through the desert, he's doing a lot of hallucinating and fever dreaming, and the group is pretty much fucked. They're trying to make it to Erebos, but they are getting super messed up by the radiation and don't have enough water to make it through the desert. Roan and most of Lysander's centurions were captured by the rising... Um, so it's just Lysander, a couple golds, Calendora, and then they run into Cicero, Avotum, and a couple of his gold friends while they're all just traipsing through the desert. They decide to join up and continue heading to Erebos. Uh, things are looking pretty bleak, but they find a downed ship and decide to make camp for the night, harvesting the supplies. Cicero tells a story about Augustus and Darrow. That's pretty cool, like the first time Darrow came to Mercury and that kind of thing. Then uh, when he thinks everybody is asleep, he does kind of a pss, pss to the Lysander and is like, Kalendor is probably going to die. The rest of your gray centurions are definitely going to die. We should just kill them all now so that we can survive. And Lysander is like, nah, bro, I don't do that type of thing. Sister is like, fine, walks off and goes to sleep. Kalendora opens her eyes. She was listening the whole time. She tells Lysander she'll take first watch. With one arm. <laughs> They make a good team. She's got one arm (laughs) and he's got one eye. So together they kind of make a whole person. (laughs) They make one whole space racist. Chapter 35, Darrow, endure. Endure, my love. That was terrible. (laughs) Darrow is woken by Screwface early in the morning and Screw is like, hey, bro, come on, check this out. And Darrow's like, I've almost died twice because of that. And Screwface is like, do it anyways. And Daryl's like, okay. (laughs) Do you remember in book one where that kept happening? And you were like, stop following people. (laughs) Yeah, they're like, Daryl, come here. They always like wake (laughs) him up. Hey, come here. If someone wakes you up and says, come here, don't do it. (laughs) Anyways, he goes with him anyways. And Screwface takes Daryl out to the beach and He wants him to see that the Martian soldiers are getting baptized and wanting forgiveness. Uh, Screw thought Darrow might be interested in some forgiveness of his own, but Darrow is like, what the hell, man? And he throws a 
big brooding <laughs> hissy fit <laughs> and he hikes the rocky coastline away from the baptismal. Screwface follows behind him as he goes when suddenly they see the pole shield ripple overhead and a bunch of huge obelisk things coming from space. Darrow and Screwface take off to see who can be the first to figure out what's inside. They climb to the top of the obelisk after they've landed in the ocean and they narrowly beat Callaway and the cargo haulers that were flying over to see what presents came <laughs> from the sky. They open the pods and they find they are full of supplies, including radiation medicine and a message from Mustang for Darrow. She tells him that she's coming for him after the vote. <coughs> mm. Awkward. <laughs> she urges him to endure his hardships. She also says Severo is coming. Also not true. <laughs> Darrow returns to his war room to get the decision of Harnassus and the others on what they're going to do. Surrender or fight. Harnassus tells Darrow that he has been ordered by Publius, the Incorruptible, to arrest him and immediately surrender the army to Atalantia. Harnassus tells Darrow his answer was, quote, bloody damn, and a full battery from their particle cannons. The shield shut down for a quick sec, and the particle cannon is fired up at one of Atalantia's ships. There's your answer, you society fucks. <laughs> They have decided to fight, and more importantly, let Darrow lead them. Darrow takes his seat and tells them to summon the master builder. I mean maker. <laughs> master maker. <laughs> Glearastes. Everything is a slam. <laughs> Not really, but it could be. <laughs> and boom, we have hit what? Rock bottom. That's the theme for this week. Yes, the theme for these chapters is rock bottom. Um, we had not a lot of the rock. Yeah, this is not the finishing move of the most electrifying athlete in sports entertainment. This is just actual rock bottom. Electrifying. <laughs> yeah. You were like ready to say that. <laughs> <laughs> That's his thing. Oh. Yeah. Well, the I, most I, electrifying athlete in sports. I didn't know that. I just, I just like his face <laughs> and his arms. Yes, so the theme for these chapters is rock bottom. As always, we have pulled some quotes from these chapters that illustrate our theme of rock bottom. So let's start with uh, Mustang's rock bottom. Yeah, I'd say this is probably the most bottom of the rocks. She's scraping the seaweed off the ocean floor. Right. I mean, I think there's a, probably an argument to be made but that maybe the rock bottom of this book is a baby being nailed to a tree. But for me oh, personally... Oh, I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> for me personally, this is this was the toughest part of the book. Like This was pretty fucking terrible. And I'm exhausted already. And I forgot there was a whole other part where, you know, there's like a baby involved. <laughs> yeah. I completely forgot about that because the world already seems to be pretty low yeah and i can't imagine it getting any worse i think what was toughest about these chapters especially the first time you're reading the difference between reading now where we're doing this on like a weekly basis where we're doing five chapters a week so much different than the first time i read this because i was just trying to speed through it and get to the end to see what happened so now we time, get to stop and really take this in right and so the first time I read this book, like this is still pretty early on in the book, you know, like we're only basically a third of the way in at this point. And so you don't expect something like so terrible and so um, game changing to happen this early on. 
and it really felt like we were building to like maybe a triumphant moment where Mustang's going to get the Senate on board. We've, we just pulled Dancer in. We just pulled Severo back in. We have a lot of these really great feelings. And then it's just <laughs> like, uh, nope. And then Pierce, <laughs> Pierce forgot to take his happy pills. <laughs> and now here we are. So Mustang's rock bottom. This is a quote that she is thinking during yeah, these chapters. So this is on the way down, on we're, the way down. Yeah, we're not quite bottom. down there. This yeah. is um, when Publius is supposed to speak mm-hmm. uh, in the Senate. She says, I look to Publius and tilt my head. It is his turn to stand. Yet he demurs, passing his time to the next block. I try to catch his eye. Something has changed. This should be where the trap springs and he denounces me. Has he made a deal with Zahn? Does he know I have Dancer? Uh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Were your warning bells going off at this point the first time you were reading it? Oh, yeah, because I know Pierce, and I know we can't have nice things. Right. So immediately I was like, "Uh uh-oh, what's Publius going to do? Yeah, I do remember thinking, like, there's too much going right here in a row. But also I was like, we do need a win. Like, we haven't had a real win on the good guy's side for a while, but apparently we don't need a win. Apparently we don't need a win. (laughs) (laughs) So that takes us to our next quote, where it's um, Severo coming into Mustang's earcom, and he's like, Mustang. And she says, there's fear in Severo's voice. He's out of breath. I hear bootsteps on metal grating. Mustang, bone riders in old Tokyo. Trap. There's an explosion and the feed cuts to static. Bone riders? How could it be possible? They should still be imprisoned in deep grave. Has the prison been penetrated yet again? <laughs> Are they working with the syndicate? Uh, yep, yep, yep. You're really, you're really on to things. You're really here, n- hitting it on the head. You just <laughs> should have done it all before you walked into the trap. So that's our next step down. Now we have like full on, we've got alarms going off. Alarms. And uh, <laughs> she's trying to call the lion guard and everyone and they can't be reached. Mm-hmm. So there's obviously interference with the cell towers because Verizon doesn't always work when you're in the forum. You got to get a <laughs> better cell service. <laughs> So this is really the rockiest rock bottom when Dancer starts hiccuping and seems confused. Mm-hmm. That's when you're like, God damn it. Yep. You're this, like, this here is, we go. It's going down. <laughs> yep. uh, it says a great mucus filled hiccup escapes his lips and his hands wrench into a cramped infantile movement to paw at his chest. The red senators beside him wrestle in concern, but then another hiccups in their ranks and another Using the shoulders of the senators beneath him, Dancer pulls himself upright, his eyes confused and unfocused. He says, Today I seek to, then comes horror, a clump of blood and lung tissue vomits out of Dancer's mouth. And the worst part is that like he like vomits it all over his like first lieutenants. And they're all wearing <laughs> white togas, yeah. so then that's why it's red doves. Because yeah. their white togas <laughs> looked like Red wings on the bottom, basically. (laughs) And then fucking Publius, the actor of all actors, he says, he's dead, Publius whispered. Oh, Farin is dead. The hope in me dies with him, is what Mustang thinks. Gosh, yeah, that's that's such a tough moment. I could not believe, first of all, that Dancer died. It was just like, that was shocking. I know. We already lost Uncle Narrow. Yeah. Dancer's like the last old red dude that we're hanging out with. Really? Yeah. 
Yeah. And now he's gone. And mm-hmm. then fucking Publius just gives no shits and he's using this death. He already knew it was coming, but to strike anger and fear and hatred and points it all at Mustang. Right. And yeah, he's just give him the Academy Award this week because he just plays this perfectly. Um, and all I'm wanting in that last moment is like, dancer, just get the words out. Like, you know, I vote with Mustang. <laughs> yeah. It's like all we need to do is get those final like three words out. And uh, do we know what he mouthed to Mustang at the very end? No, I was wondering about that, too. Yeah. Do you think we'll ever know? Do you I think there's it. like videos and we can. I just don't think he was even able to say anything. He clearly like mouthed something at. Right. Because she like, sees him across but the she, way. But she doesn't yeah. know what he said. Right. Man, that's tough. Yep. And so then we have like the pulse shield that's holding our mob back at this point. Everything starts to go wrong. Like the um, wardens, they leave. leave. And then the pulse shield falls and the mob is coming in. I love that part where there's like the blue senator and she's like, no violence! No violence! And then somebody just like shoots her in the face or something. No, they like collapse her head with uh, a picket yeah. sign. Yes. And then they at- like attack everybody. <laughs> hey, she's brave. I, did, I, mean, I would uh, not have been standing there. I love how Mustang describes that. She said it was like very beautiful, but yeah. then it's just like this ugly mob this, yeah. mentality just right. takes over. And like cracks her skull, um, and then of course they ta- attack like Daxo, and they attack Mustang. She's being stabbed and kicked, and her hair ripped out. Yeah, her beautiful blonde, amazing I just, hair. This How makes dare me they? So mad. Like me too. Them attacking Mustang and her like, and they're like kicking her hurt. head. Yeah. <laughs> Get off. I know. It's like you can beat up Darrow, you can beat up Severo, you can beat up anybody, but if you touch Mustang, that like makes me like. Like physically angry. Yeah. <laughs> and by it. the way, we should mention she cuts a ton of them down yeah. while she's going down with her razor. She's mm-hmm. slicing and dicing. Yep. Uh, she says, then I am free of the mob. The press of the bodies above me gone. I open swollen eyes and see through a crack in the darkness. Jeering faces swim beneath me. Hands pass me above their heads like a trophy. Sharp objects stick into my buttocks, my thighs. Daxo, I murmur through broken teeth, mouth full of blood and mashed lips. Daxo. I see him again through the crowd. His huge body is splayed out on the ground, held down by a big obsidian with gold teeth as four others stand over him, guarding a muscular red woman in a Hyperion sanitation uniform. Tall for a red, she hacks at Daxo's neck with a hatchet till his head dislodges. She holds it by its spine. Uh, cool. I'm, g- I'm going to go. You can finish up, right? I just stare out a window for like 15 minutes after I read that the first time. You know, um, when I was listening to this, I had my adult coloring book out because I knew I would need some like <laughs> beauty in my life. <laughs> And that's how I read this. That's how you got again. through it. That's yeah. a good. That's a good coping tactic. Um. Yeah. So this is fucking terrible. And then we go on to hear from Mustang. Mm-hmm. The woman turns to look at me. Even set in that face, I recognize her eyes through the red contacts. A demon from the past, now undead. Lilith, my brother's dog of war. She is alive. 
She is the queen of the syndicate. And here is, boom, rock bottom. <sighs> We've hit it. Yep. Hey, <laughs> how's, it, how's it going up there, everyone? Because I'm down here on rock bottom with Mustang. <laughs> I might have my teeth, but my spirit has died. Man. And, okay, let's recall quickly, like, where was Lilith before this? Her ship, yeah. her ship was shot down. Mm, mm, mm. What do we know about ships getting shot down? Right. People always survive. Yeah. Every ship Darrow's ever been in that's shot down, he survived. Fucking Ephraim survived, even though he was already dying. Like, follow up, guys. Severe like, follow through. Follow <laughs> like, nuke the... Do a baby nuke <laughs> into her dying ship. Yeah. It was, it was um, a failure. For sure. <laughs> so, um, also, we know that she's dressed as a red. So, mm. this is how she fooled Publius. And we'll see more of that coming up once we get back to her, which takes for fucking ever. We don't get back to Mustang for, like, quite a few chapters. Oh, yeah. It takes a while. Because I remember th- wondering if she was, like, dead at, th- at this. And, we, and you, like, couldn't find out because we have to go through all of... Fucking Lyria's bullshit. I'm like, get back to Mustang. (laughs) I immediately started skipping ahead in the book. I was like, I got to find a Mustang chapter. Yeah. I was like, I've got to know right now if Mustang's alive or dead. So, oh, you went to see if her name came back. Yeah. I just went to go see like if there was a Mustang chapter later on. Oh, I did that too, of course. (laughs) I went to the very end of the book to search for Cassius. (laughs) Like, come on. I clearly don't care about spoilers. Yeah. So, that is clearly Mustang's rock bottom. One of the hardest all-time chapters to read in all of red rising in my opinion um, so this yeah. de- so this hit you harder than the baby yes yeah i don't care what any facts about the baby <laughs> i mean i care about the baby that was a, a it dark, was horrible dark but moment this is why at that point the baby part i was already numb because i'd already gone through this right yeah you, how you can i how can i care about anyone anymore i was much more prepared for that baby to die i yeah. saw that here's really warmed us up yeah he he turned the the oven on in high heat. <laughs> and he heated us up until we exploded. Okay. Who else is at rock bottom? Yes, we've got some other characters experiencing rock bottom here as well. Let's move on to Darrow. So he's just had this great quote unquote victory against Atalantia and her forces. But by victory it means he didn't die. And all of his plans failed, and they are under their last pulse shield. Yeah, and he lost basically like two of his best friends. And they're all dying of radiation poisoning. Yes, and there's no food. Great victory. Yes, and they're stuck in a city with a bunch of people that don't want them to be there. Yep, yep, And will probably help their enemies. Well, probably. Definitely help their enemies. I would bet on it. Yep. So um, the quote here, and this is kind of Darrow making this exact assessment that we just made. He says, some will call the Battle of Ladone a victory for the Republic. I cannot. With Neron falling the night before, we have lost all the major cities of Helios. Helios is a continent on Mercury, if you're using your map. Use your map. (laughs) Four million of my men are missing or dead. Just over five million survived to huddle beneath the shields of Heliopolis. Supplies dwindle, especially the anti-rads. Barely one-third of my men are fit for duty, even by our elastic standards. Our tank regiments are depleted. Rip wings down to 200 operational craft. 
Drakken Jaegers reduced to 700. All that protects us from being overrun are the storms beyond and Atalantia's fear of what new horror I'll conjure. So this is not looking good for anybody. Yeah, they're, I mean, sitting on a ticking time bomb. It's only a matter of time. Like, he has this great analogy about how basically Atalantia is just going to anaconda them. She's just, like, constricting them, and eventually they're just going to either die from radiation poisoning or get choked out yeah it's just it's it's they are in a no-win situation they can't escape they can't fight and it's, and it's they're looking, all um sick and nauseous and bald and yeah. like none of them are in peak physical condition mm-hmm. and now they're also having to basically take care of all their dead there's so many there's like hundreds and thousands of dead bodies around heliopolis and right, so, and then um, Callaway has been going out every day, not sleeping, not mm-hmm. resting, to find Orion's body. Yep. Which do we know about a love story there? I think it's just a blue thing where she's just like very revered by blues. It's just a blue thing. Yeah. All right. And so she's. Um, just like set this huge figure, especially for low colors and I think blues in general. Like Daryl kind of talks about that, how his blue lieutenants kind of all orbited around Orion and now they're lost because they don't know what to do without her. They don't have the linchpin holding them together. Right. Um, and so Callaway takes her body, sets it down with all the others, and then we get this quote where it says, bright white light flares from the morning star washing away the meager light of the morning and when we turn back, the men are nothing but ashes. The smell of ozone sanitizes the air, and their comrades walk forward to scrape the ashes of their friends into canisters in hopes of one day giving them back to Mars. None of us believes we'll ever see home again, but they sing nonetheless. Man, these Martians are hardened soldiers. Yep, and just having a very tough time right now. Yeah, and like we see uh, when Darrow's out watching them be baptized, like most of them are blind from radiation sickness. Um, they're Like these people burying their friends are dying themselves. They all see uh, their end coming swiftly. So that's rock bottom for Darrow's army. And then obviously we have lost someone very important to us, especially to Rona. That's Alexander. He goes and talks to Rona and says, we have to collapse the tunnel. She's like, I know, but she wanted to see his dramatic entrance, the princess. Yeah. Um, so then after the tunnel explodes, Darrow says, I linger to witness the last of the rocks settle, knowing that Alexander is dead, that those people he saved will soon forget him or may die yet in the siege. Yeah, so we get this moment with Rona, very touching, where she's like, clearly has feelings for Alex, doesn't really want to admit it, uh, but Daryl can see it. And then she was like, I just need to get back to duty. But you can tell she's just hurting very much that she's lost this person that's so important to her. And Darrow is also hurting at this moment. This is just one more thing, you know, one more person that he feels like he's spent. Um, and he doesn't know if it's worth it. And I think that's just, I don't know, that's something that he deals with a lot in these books. Like he's fighting with that concept uh, throughout and just like trying to walk that fine line of these are people he cares about, but ultimately he's got to lead them 
into this war and into death. Yeah, and people die in that situation. So it's so, just So uh speaking of rock bottom, mm-hmm. the rocks fill the tunnel <laughs> <laughs> and now they're at their own bottom. Yeah. At that point, at this point, I do remember thinking, I was like, okay, well, Alexander is dead. Yeah, Alexander's dead. Everything sucks. I might as well stop reading these (laughs) stupid books now. This is tough. Yeah. The next uh, quote that we have is from Darrow's conversation with uh, Atalantia. And this is like his own kind of personal rock bottom at this moment. He's seen his army is on their last legs. He's seen his friends and how affected they are by the deaths around them, Orion, Alexander. Um, and then now he's faced with uh, the death of his wife, he thinks probably. So he says um, he's talking with Ad- Atalantia. She like shows him the hologram of the day of red doves. And this is what he's thinking during it. He says, I sense something is wrong long before the blood spews from his mouth. And with creeping dread that mutates to abject revulsion, I watched the Senate disintegrate into a horror more appalling than I could ever imagine. I have felt this once before when Eo swung upon the gallows as if the foundation of my being were gone, and I glimpsed for one small moment the reality of my existence. There is no life without that woman. There is just a cold world and the ugly creatures who fight for its scraps. And we're reminded, thanks, Pierce, that he started this whole book series off by hanging a 16 year old girl (laughs) so i don't know why we're so surprised by all the murder i did think that was interesting that really resonated with me that we kind of like went full circle and we're back to wife dying yeah that moment again powerless yeah and it's kind of another kind of rebirth situation for darrow here this is kind of a turning point for him and his attitude as far as like what he's going to do with his army like he's about to give up hope at this point, but he's trying to hold on, trying to hold on, trying to hold on, because he still is he's like, I believe in my wife. And then at this point, his wife is taken away from him, and he's just absolutely crushed. And I think the only thing that basically saves him are those pods that come in, and then his army saying, no, we believe in you. Right. And, and he has the message from Mustang even though she says endure until she comes. And he knows she's not and coming. Know, he knows she's not coming. Now, though, and Adelante is so stupid for showing him the video because now he knows that she's not coming so he can make a new plan. Yeah. And B, it's Darrow. You're lighting a fire under his ass. And he explodes when... <laughs> When he's like in a corner, you that's know. That's a good point. So Adelante is feeding this rage beast. She can't help but gloat, though. She thinks that at this point, like she's checkmated him, you know. But she's uh, her showing her that the video is what ultimately saves Darrow. So oh, yeah, yeah. And his enemies always do this. They're always like, "Ha ha, look at this!" And then he's like, "Raw." Yeah. <laughs> it's that gold <laughs> hubris. Yeah, I mean, you know. Yeah, they they'll never learn. Like they always like think if like if she didn't show him, he would have thought Mustang was coming, and his plan probably wouldn't have worked out. Yeah, you just would have waited. Yeah, yeah, continue to wait. Yeah, so that takes us on to our uh, final person who has reached rock bottom and melty face. <laughs> I do feel bad for him at this point. Yeah, 
Like this, this sucks. And you learn about his abusive grandmother. Yeah. I mean, could you have a worse grandma? It's tough. She didn't make cookies and feed you macaroni. No, (laughs) she fucking broke your arm and made you run (laughs) blindfolded with a rock on stairs. That is like, (laughs) and like put birdseed down so you would fall and get hurt. That is mean. That is mean grandma. It's very child abuse type stuff. Lots of child abuse. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, it's hard not to feel bad for Lysander sometimes. You also just have to remember that he's a huge prick too. So, well, at least we know the backstory of why he sucks so <laughs> yeah. much. So also he has a melty face and there's like metal in there. I mean, he looks like Two-Face. I was thinking more Terminator, you know, he when... He looks like Terminator. <laughs> uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's got, like, the... He's, like, he's half his face is scraped off. But he... The red ha- eye. He's actually a robot. I don't know if you've seen Terminator. Uh, yeah, I have. But he doesn't... Have you seen Terminator? <laughs> he doesn't need... <laughs> he doesn't need his human flesh. <laughs> uh, so Lysander is wandering through the desert and he says i walk suspended between the past and the hard reality of the desert there is pain more than i thought possible the left half of my face is a ruin of melted meat it is swollen with fluid that expands the skin to bursting (coughs) i hope no none of you are eating uh pus leaks through the bandage calendora helped me attach my left eye is blind and obliterated Bits of melted metal have hardened over much of the wound. Unable to see my reflection, I can only imagine the horror. All I can do is walk. Yep. And this group right here, they're, I mean, this entire chapter is pretty much them just being like, well, we're dead and we're never going to make it yep. <laughs> out of this desert. The Ladon is the eater of armies. Yeah. <laughs> and this is uh, Lysander about to die until our friend... The secret Apollonius comes mm. in to motivate him. Mm-hmm. He yeah, doesn't so really help him. He just motivates him. Right. This this walk through the desert here is kind of what steals Lysander ultimately. And um, he he definitely changes as a result of like this war. And then this kind of crucible he goes through in the desert. Right. Yep. And... Uh, He's got a melty face. Let's not forget he looks like <laughs> shit right now. <laughs> I'm enjoying it. Uh, okay, that's the, today's theme of rock bottom. We hope you enjoyed it and you haven't hit a rock bottom of your own. Uh, try adult coloring books. <laughs> there you go. Highly wreck. Yeah, maybe listen to the pod while doing an adult coloring book. Why not? All right, that takes us on to our next segment. Who died today? <sighs> Long list here today who died ben we've got some very important names let's pour one out for dancer our old friend the father of the rising step well co-father mm-hmm. thanks for being a red and ruling the yeah. rat legion yeah, he kind of started it all he picked darrow thanks for picking darrow and i don't know not saving eo i guess <laughs> <laughs> he's a handsome old devil he was handsome with his little limp next up Daxo Atalamanis. I will tell you this time I got way less I'm in love with Mustang vibes reading the book than I did yeah. the first time. Yeah, it's more, you know, duty, familial love. That's still there. Protection. Next time we talk to Pierce, I'm going to ask him about it. Okay. Next time you talk to Pierce? Yeah. You call him? You know. You know. <laughs> 
<laughs> next time. FaceTime. <laughs> next time. I'll, just next time. So, um, yeah, Daxo, great job being a Telemannus. We loved your baby brother. We loved you. We mostly love your dad and his crazy fox. Yep. I was just getting cool sisters, great family all around. I know we love Telemannuses, and I was just getting, you know, I was just getting to like Daxo here. And then well, we clearly uh, should have known he was going to die because Pierce was giving us all these nice tidbits about him. And we you didn't can't listen to our own freaking advice. You can't get tidbits <laughs> unless you're going to die. Exactly. If you get tidbits, <laughs> we talked about this in Iron Gold. Yeah. You get tidbits, you die yep, every you get time. Death. Uh, next up, we've got a bunch of senators. Yeah, just like a lot. A lot of them d- died. We don't know them all. Um, and then Daxo and uh, a bunch of people protecting Mustang were able to take down a bunch of mob people. Yep. So the Vox supporters, a lot of them the died. Vox mob, m- the Vox mob. Vox mob. Yeah. Mob Vox. A lot of lower colors just getting ravaged by... Just their arms ripped off, (laughs) their heads chopped off. You know, I don't feel bad for one of them. No, they deserve it. And um, uh, also a bunch of greys with Holiday died, but she expertly shot a bunch of things, and we assume she's still alive. Yep. Okay, Uh, that's who died today. That was a fun one. (laughs) (laughs) hopefully our sarcasm will save us (laughs) next up is prime five five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters i'll take the first one i want to talk about daxo a little bit more because i think that this description that pierce has of daxo is just incredible it's like oh Pierce is a great writer. Take a drink. Take a drink. And I just think this is such a great um, example of the way he uses imagery and the w- how he can weave this stuff together. Uh, I was really thinking about just like what about Pierce's writing do I like so much? And um, I want to read the passage first and then I'll kind of talk about why I liked it so much. So it's Daxo, and he says, Virginia, stand behind me, Daxo says in a low growl. I step to his side. With a small laugh, he peels the wool of his toga as if it were made of paper. Free of the encumbrance, he stands bare-chested, bare-limbed, a monster, clothed only in undershorts before the mob. His shoulders are broad as a thunderhead, his back muscled like a sunblood stallion's, the angels on his head glorious and golden dancing down his spine to his lower back. And I'm just like, so that's that moment where he just like turns around. He's like <laughs> shirtless and he's just torn his toga off and he's like just muscles rippling. Amazing moment. And then uh, he takes the scepter from Mustang and he's preparing to fight. And she says, now. And he just screams, Lionheart. And then she says, and death for four meters. He cleaves the red with the scorcher in half with the edge of the dawn scepter's star. A man swings at him with a knife. Daxo is already past him, but he reaches back to shatter his hand and take the knife. He wheels it down on the head of a brown and a hammer stroke, flattening the head and then casually flicks the scepter back into and through the face of another man before bringing it about in a wheeling stroke that shatters three more of the riders. 
And it kind of goes on from there. Damn, Daxo. What I was thinking about is like, why do I just enjoy the way Pierce writes so much? And I think it's because he's got this sense like where he writes in this very extremely epic way. It's very like melodramatic. Everything's elevated. But within those moments, these huge melodramatic epic moments that he writes, he uses these like descriptions and imagery that's like extremely visceral, extremely brutal. And like that violence like grounds all of the melodrama and makes it feel so real at the same time, you know? So it's like these huge melodramatic moments that are grounded by these moments of just like intense like violence. He uses that violence like very effectively and it's not gratuitous or anything like that. It just kind of grounds us and makes um, this these huge melodramatic events like feel very real to the reader. He also is really good at like walking us through what's happening. So it's really easy to imagine. Yeah. Like I've read a lot of fantasy or action books where I have to like reread something like five times because I'm like, wait, what's happening? And it's it's not super connected. This is like, like you said, high imagery, but like understandable mm-hmm. and fucking badass. And he, he writes these characters so well, like Daxo, to the point where by the time he has this big moment and then is taken down, it's like, fuck, I love Daxo. I yeah. Like we actually care right. and like physically feel horrible when they die. Yep. Like it actually hurts my stomach and my yep. heart. Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, those are great points. So everybody take like six drinks. Just chug a beer. Shotgun. <laughs> Ooh, the next one is cool. Mm-hmm. So Ben found this out. I did not know this either time. The obsidian that is holding Daxo down while his head's getting chopped off is none other than Gorgo, the Duke of Hands, big obsidian guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's because Pierce says the large obsidian with gold teeth. Mm-hmm. And then Ben. Yeah, if you go back, back and look up. Gorgo in Iron Gold, when he's first introduced, there's a description of him. Ephraim sees him and he's talking to him or whatever. And at one point, Gorgo smiles and his whole mouth is gold teeth, according to Ephraim. Right. A little connection there between Duke of Hands and this red woman, who Mm -hmm. then, of course, is Lilith. Okay. So our next one, I'll take this. So I think this is your best evidence for Holiday not being a traitor oh my god i thought you were gonna say the opposite and i was like still we're still (laughs) on this she's pretty great in these chapters there was one little suspicious line that i did want to bring up because everything because everything she does after it is very not suspicious not suspicious at all like sacrificing herself possibly to save mustang right but at the very beginning of the chapter, chapter 31, Day of Red Doves, Publius is standing next to his group and Mustang is walking into the Senate and she walks up to Publius and she shakes his hand or whatever. And the line, the sentence I just found that was kind of interesting was, Publius, the incorruptible, stands beside this group surrounded by dozens of Terran and even a few Lunese senators that I sacrificed my silver alliance to gain. With Holiday standing watch, I shake the traitor's hand. Well, that just means she's next to her. I know, but it's like, why do you even need to mention Holiday and Traitor in the same sentence? Wow. You're reading into that. What I thought you were going to say, and I don't mean to help your point, (laughs) 
But I did think it was weird that Holiday made a point to take a moment to tell Mustang before this tragedy that she was a great sovereign and she enjoys serving her. Mm-hmm. Like, as if she knew something was going to happen. But yeah, I mean, I would say that she looks pretty good here. She does look good. Because she's not a traitor. Because guess what? It was fucking Publius. We already know who the one close to the ranks was. I would disagree with that. He poisoned all the togas. I would disagree with that because in Atalantia's conversation with Darrow, I would say we've still got a traitor out there. I'm just going to go ahead and say it's Publius. We've had enough horrible things happen. We don't need an unknown traitor running around. So what she says is Darrow says your work. She touches her chest, subcontractor. For the culprit, I suggest you look a little closer to home. I, I still see that as Publius. I don't know. She says, even I can poison the togas of that many senators. Because he's right next to them in there, poisoning them. I don't know. I still feel like we've got a mole. Moving on, Prime 5. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoyed the whole obelisk landing scene with Screwface and Darrow racing, swimming, climbing up the top of them and Screwface like hanging off and waving at the people on the beach and then reaching the top before Darrow. Mm -hmm. That all kind of reminded me of more innocent times, possibly like boyish times at the Institute. Yeah, it was like Darrow and Cassius running to racing to get the food. Um, It kind of brought me back and I, I thought that was a nice little moment of lightheartedness. Yeah, within this like terrible <laughs> set of <laughs> chapters. <laughs> yeah. I agree, that was a fun part. And it, it shows also Screwface and Darrow's friendship. Yeah. Out of all the Howlers, like we never heard that much about Screwface. He was we, kind of a side Howler. We did get a little like characterization out of Screwface, which was nice. Right, and yeah. now he's been carved and looks different, but he's still obviously Screwface from... The OG Howlers. So mm-hmm. it was fun to see him kind of lift Darrow's spirits. Right. Uh, and lastly, on our Prime 5 list, we have to touch on the old boy Lysander. He's having a lot of reveries. We kind of touched on the one with him and Octavia and Aja, where he's like climbing the stairs up and uh, breaking his arm over and over again and breaking his poor arm. Are you awake? <laughs> But there's a couple things going on. So he definitely sees, it sounds like, the pandemonium chair at one point, which is what Octavia used to diddle his brain. <laughs> and then he also has another vision of this door. And this I want to know... Wait, remind me, what was the other vision of a door? He just had it earlier in the book. He had like a vision of that door, the white door. Okay. And he says, like, I've seen this door before. And I've walked up to it, but he never is able to see like what's behind it. Right. And you think we had kind of speculated. Well, one time he had heard music behind the door. um, And so that's why we were speculating. Maybe his mom was back there, uh, but we never actually get to go inside. So I feel like this is going to continue to be something that pops up. He's probably going to have this vision again. And eventually we're going to find out what's behind this door. And I just want to know. And also, I want to know if it's going to be Mustang that helps him figure that out. That'd be cool. Yeah. Um, uh, I'm interested to see with how that works out. With her brain diddler? Yeah, with her, <laughs> with her psycho spikes. Psycho spikes. Yeah. Sounds metal. Yeah. So we'll see. But those are, uh, just keep that in mind because I feel like those visions and kind of that 
memory of that door is going to become very important. Whatever's behind it, I think is going to be key to kind of unlocking whatever's inside Lysander and it's going to have a big impact on, I think, which way he falls, whether he's... Good or bad. Yeah, good or bad, yeah. Also, I think this opens up a really good uh, cinematic scene where you have those flashbacks mm-hmm. and then Lysander wakes up and yeah. he's like in a cold sweat. Yeah, this is and like... And we like sh- almost see his mom over and over again. Yeah, this is like straight out of a movie. Straight out of a movie. Yep. Do you think there will be a show? I hope so. We keep waiting to hear about it. Yeah, I got. We got. Pierce hasn't Facetime me yet. Yeah, next next time we talk to Pierce, we'll just ask <laughs> him next next time. <laughs> All right, now that we have finished our prime five, it's time to name our primus of the week, where we choose the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. Our primus of the week is Lilith. <laughs> yep. Fucking Lilith. <laughs> or is it Atalantia? No, it's Lilith. I'm yelling it to Lilith, yeah. She got the head of Daxo. Fucking Lilith. She sucks. Yep, and by proxy, Abominadrius, but we haven't met him yet, so I don't think he can win yet. He can't win because he's, he's not old enough to win. You have to be 18 <laughs> or over to win the prize. Unless your name is Pax. Well, that's true. <laughs> He's mature beyond his years. <laughs> okay, let's move on quickly. Yeah, I don't want to talk about Lilith, honestly. We know why she won. It's because she... Overthrew the entire Republic, pretty much. She uh, <laughs> got in there and she really fucked shit up. <laughs> okay, that takes us to our next segment, which is the Howler voicemail. We've got Dominic queued up here. Hey, guys. Um, Dominic Alianelli here again, again. Uh, listen to your podcast. My brain's on Red Rising right now, so you're going to be getting a lot more voicemails from me. Uh, you guys were just talking about the uh, what planetary nationalism, what planetary you'd be. Um, definitely like the whole Mars um, idea. I've kind of envisioned that whole planet as kind of like a Texas idea where honor is really important and you kind of fight anyone over anything and everyone's just kind of a badass. But I do also like Earth as kind of like the OG planet, and obviously we're all from Earth. Um, also, I was thinking about when you guys were talking about the gravity and stuff, um, you know, there's people in life that, like, intentionally make things harder for themselves so they become tougher. Um, thinking about my family, uh, my dad would totally be the asshole that has uh, gravity jacked up in his house. So, like, you become stronger just by doing normal everyday things in his house uh just want to hit you guys up with those thoughts uh love you guys again love the podcast bye love you too dominic <laughs> ellie and ellie that sounds very italian <laughs> i would say it probably is dominic's italian too right i don't know sure can you fix us some pasta <laughs> uh I yeah love, i love italians thanks for calling in dominic I would agree that, you know, there are definitely people that would have, like, jacked up gravity houses, and it would be pretty weird. You know what I would do? What would, what would you do? I would just go to sleep and make sure <laughs> I download knowledge every night mm. and then wake up smarter every day. And just say, fuck that gravity. We'll have to uh, ask our OG James to call in from Texas. He's from Texas to get an opinion on whether... Mars would be like Texas. 
So and separate. <laughs> yes. Uh, OG James, if you're out there, call in and let us know about that. Okay, let's move on to our next voicemail. This one does not have a name, but it's been w- it's what we've been asking for. <laughs> this is thank you, ma'am. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you uh really made my day with these voicemails. Let's go ahead and listen. Oh my god, Howard. You don't know what I just had to go through to find your fucking phone number because I just fucking realized Bruce Springsteen dancing in the dark is the anthem for Darrow. And I just took 20 minutes of my time to find your fucking call number because I don't know how to work things when I'm drunk. But like, oh my God, listen to it. It's perfect. It's amazing. Maybe it's, no, it's not for Sever. Sever is, no, Sever's a different person. It's a different vibe. But like for Daryl, definitely, like giving me total Bruce vibe. It's a thing. It's a thing. And I'm excited about it. So whatever. I hope you're having a great weekend. Bye. Ow. Ow. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Our first like howlers after dark drunk voicemail. We did it. I'm so proud of you, Howard. Hey, you know what, Ben? What? You can't start a fire without a spark. (laughs) Just thought I'd say that. I was inspired by something. (laughs) You know, honestly, I don't know. I'm not like a big Bruce Springsteen fan. I have no idea. I'm going to play a clip of it here. What do you think? Do you know much about Bruce Springsteen? You know, I know that song. <laughs> That's something I know about him. Isn't that the one with the the video where it was like Courtney Cox like dancing on stage or whatever? That is the Bruce Springsteen song, right? Yep. Nice. Okay. Yeah, sure. Yeah, Courtney Cox, she's hot. <laughs> That's something. That's that was before Friends when she was doing that. Right. Young Courtney Cox. Who who else thinks that Dancing in the Dark is Darrow's theme song? I think his theme song would be more of a sad, uh, brooding song. Yeah, I'm possibly. thinking like Screamo. You know, like, uh, no, that's I'm a, so sad! <laughs> that's more... You're thinking more like The Killers. Not Screamo. Severo's more Screamo. And we, we mm. already had a confirmation on that from Pierce. No, Severo's notorious oh, B.I.G. Severo's gangster. Yeah. Gangster rap. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I don't know. What was Darrow's song? It's something sad. It's not dancing. He's not dancing. <laughs> He's definitely not. I've, I can't ever imagine in any scenario Darrow dancing. He danced in Red Rising. Did he or did he brood at the table because he didn't win the laurel? He was dancing with EO. But he wasn't happy about it. And then he also did his dad's dance. But I guess it's a sad dance. (laughs) (laughs) That's like a lyrical modern dance. It's not it's not like a happy Bruce Springsteen dance. You can't just see him like Courtney Cox up there on stage with (laughs) Bruce Springsteen. (laughs) I don't think that's the dance. (laughs) Well, thank you, random drunk girl. (laughs) 
Thank you for calling in drunk. We have been wishing and waiting for that to happen. Made me and you did not disappoint. Yes, it made Aaron and I so happy. Also, if we have any Bruce Springsteen experts out there that want to weigh in. Please let us know. Please call in. Our next call comes from a celebrity in the Red Rising This universe. is probably our most famous caller so far. Wow. And it, it's a little scary. Let's go ahead and hear it. Seven hundred years of slavery, seven hundred years of war, seven hundred years of anguish for them. Wow, wow. <laughs> Volsung Fa, <laughs> the Volsung Fa. He sounds about like what I thought he would sound like. He does sound bold. He does sound like a murdering <laughs> asshole. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I'm very thank you, Volsung Fa. Please don't kill me. I'm wow. a little scared now. Yeah, like we're just weak little earthlings. Yeah, we're chill. We're not trying to conquer the universe. You can have it. I've never enslaved somebody in my entire life. No. <laughs> you? Good job, Ben. Honestly, the first time I listened to that, I thought I was being cursed. Like, I was like, oh my God, I just got cursed. And then I listened to it again and I was like, I'm definitely being cursed. And then the third time I heard Volsung Fa, and then I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> yeah. I thought I, I had like 700 years of war <laughs> uh, for me. Yeah, it was worrisome. Um, hopefully we'll be hearing from Volsung Fa again, I guess. But <laughs> I don't know. Whatever makes him happy and not kill me. Exactly. I'm scared. You can call back in if you want to, man. <laughs> we'll play every single one. <laughs> We're just honored you're listening to the podcast, honestly. We're so famous. When you're doing it out there in like space, are you just like get it on Apple or Spotify, you think? We've got one last voicemail here from our friend Jessica. Let's go ahead and play it. I really hope you guys get all of the awkward uh deleted incomplete versions of me trying to leave this fucking voicemail. Um I'm not gonna lie, I'm sweating a little bit, but it's fine. Um, ben, Aaron, love you guys so much. This is such a fun element that you've added to Howler Pod. My name's Jessica, handles J-O-E-S-20, J-A-L-Y-S-E-2-0. I've interacted with you guys because your content's fucking awesome. Um, I just wanted to share that you guys may have um, introduced a major time sucker into my life, but I'm not mad. It's been amazing. I never listened to a podcast before howler pod because i was just um desperate for some other red rising fans in my life i've recruited a few since then but you guys were it for a minute there and it has been the best so thank you so much for all the work that you put into howler pod and all that you continue to do for our little fandom um our growing fandom i did uh Figure I'd share one thing. Um, I know you guys are like best friends with Howard number one, Pierce motherfucking Brown, but, and so you probably already know all this, but his website, um, the story that he shares in his about section, um, is so worth reading. I actually came to Red Rising just by researching Arthur, authors. Um, Pierce Brown came up and I was reading about him and his interests and his influence and his writing styles and, um, when I came across the content that he had shared <clears throat> in some profiles he had online, and then I discovered that 
about section. Um, I was super inspired. And then, of course, the books have inspired me through just some really challenging shit. I've been trying to be brave and do some cool things, and um, it's been exactly what I needed to kind of keep me motivated and encouraged. And, of course, um, the podcast has been part of that. Uh, ben, you've also ruined me. Uh, I can't stop listening to Sword and Scale. You guys keep putting stuff on my plate to consume, and I can't stop. Love and appreciate you both. Thanks so much. Wow. Thank you so much, Jessica. And you are right. We are best friends <laughs> with Howler number one. <laughs> he might not know that, but we sure are. I'm going to wipe away a tear after that. Yeah. Uh, thanks for all the compliments. Keep sending them in. <laughs> we like to be, uh, you know, have accolades thrown at us so, so graciously. Yes, we appreciate you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening, Jessica. If it weren't for you, we would not be doing this. It's true. Uh, and also, I just want to piggyback on what Jessica said. Um, if you haven't checked out that About section on Pierce's website, it's really great. I actually came to Pierce in his writing in a similar fashion, not from his website, but just by uh, an interview with him. And I just thought he was such an interesting person. So uh, if you haven't read that, it's definitely worth your time. And as you know, Pierce Brown is fucking awesome. So, of course, the about section is written by him and it's great writing. So it's an easy read. Yes, I will say this is going to you know give things away a little bit. We've met Pierce one time. Don't tell them that, Ben. <laughs> and he was like the coolest dude. And ever. he was like, oh my God, you guys are my best friends. And we were like, we already knew that. We were like, whoa, slow down. Slow down, <laughs> creepy. God, desperate much? <laughs> so thank you so much for sending in your voicemails. Don't forget, everyone, you can send in your own voicemail. You can hear your voice on HowlerPod by calling one 800 516-1540. So call in today. You can give a theory. You can ask a question. You hey, can if you are actually shower us with accolades. <laughs> if you are actually Pierce Brown's best friend, you can also call us. That's true. And also be our friends. <laughs> <laughs> We're just trying to get a little closer. <laughs> that was weird Wig- at all. Wiggle on in. <laughs> all right, so call in today. You know what it's time for. What are we into this week? That was a little flat. What are we into this week? I am into an HBO show. It is called The Outsider. It's horror. And that's very surprising for this pixie who doesn't watch <laughs> horror. However, it's based on a Stephen King novel, um, which is also called The Outsider, which I have not read so I don't know the ending yet because we don't have all the episodes. But it's on HBO, and it's about a, a child that gets murdered. And then it's about like the crime case surrounding it and the detective and the families that are affected. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know. It might also be about something supernatural because it's Stephen King. Yeah, usually there's something. That's implied. And it's kind of a slow burn. It's not like... Every episode is super interesting. Um, however, I like the slow burns because they really set the pace of uh, like what these people are going through. And you can kind of feel this 
dread and this kind of slow crawl to the truth. Yeah. And it's super creepy. Allows them to build the characters a little bit. Has a great cast too, like Ben Mendelsohn and Jason Bateman are both really good. Yeah. I haven't watched it yet, but I'm really interested. I want to check it out. You should. Yeah. Ben, what are you into this week? I'm into another movie. I'm just continuing the movie theme this season on Hallerpod. I watched 1917. Probably going to win Best Picture. Can you <laughs> talk about what happened at the movie theater? Yeah, so I went and saw this at a movie theater, one of those movie theaters where you can get drinks and food and all like, that stuff. Oh, like a normal movie theater? No, I mean like kind of the restaurant style where they like oh, oh, bring oh. it out to you. you know, you They can, bring you, you food. You can get beer and that kind of thing. Yeah. There was a girl that was sitting two seats away from me, and she definitely just threw up as soon as the movie started. Just vomited. A couple times. She is not a howler. So I pretty much missed like the full setup for the movie because they're like, you need to go on this mission and save these people. So if I wouldn't have seen that like in the preview for the movie, would have had no idea what was going on. Because <laughs> the girl throws up and then they have to like put that, you know. She gets kicked out. They put that powder that soaks it up that they have at the theme park and it's like orange and the powder <laughs> almost like smells worse than the throw up. It was not great. Got a free movie out of the deal, though. Free uh, movie. <laughs> anyway, great movie. Technical masterpiece. Um, and some pretty good acting as well. I would say the story is a little light and kind of like... Basic. Basic and kind of like there's a lot of... There's kind of just like a lot of movie shit going on. You know, like convenient movie shit. Like plot armor? Yeah, that type of thing. Um, not necessarily plot armor, but just kind of like that. Like do ex machina is what it would be called. Like Hand of God coming in and just kind of, this is going oh, to be okay. I was thinking okay. of the robot movie and I was yeah. like, I don't, I didn't think there were <laughs> robots in this one. But anyway, yeah. It's like, like I said, it's an achievement in filmmaking. It's incredible. It's like, if you don't know the kind of the premise of the movie, it's set during World War One, following two soldiers that have to make it across like this enemy lines to like warn another company of a trap that's coming. And it's basically a shot as like a single take. So you're experiencing the movie in real time. Yeah, and you're kind of following these two soldiers as they go along. And it's a really cool movie. I'm not sure I would watch it multiple times, but it's definitely worth checking out um, just for how amazingly it's shot. And there's just like some amazing, like beautiful um, shots in there. And it's just like an extreme technical achievement of filmmaking. Um, and it's probably going to win Best Picture at the Oscars. So, Cool. That is 1917 mm -hmm. and The Outsider on HBO. What are we doing next episode on HowlerPod? Chapters 36 to 41. Nice. <laughs> and guess what? Guess who's back? Lyria. Oh, sweet. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's what 36 is. So Victor is probably back too then. Victor is back and she's prego. Don't forget to follow us on the social meds. That's at HowlerPod on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If you have not checked out Aaron's amazing Photoshop happy birthday of Pierce Brown on Instagram yet. He's riding a Pegasus unicorn. Yes, I mean, those are two different things married into one. Flames everywhere. Yep. It's amazing. Uh, there's a rainbow. There's I hope everyone noticed the rainbow. You have to go check it out. So... Anyways, uh, don't forget to check out our Etsy shop, buy some shit, email us your Q&A at howlerpod at gmail.com. 
leave a voicemail, 1-800-516-1540. And you can find links to all this and the phone number on our website, howlerpod.com. Don't forget to tell a friend about these amazing books and about Pierce Brown. And don't forget to spread the word about the cool podcast you're currently listening to. Also, rate and review five stars only. If you don't give us five stars only, we will hold you down and chop your head off and toss it around like a ball at a concert. Wow. And as Ben likes to say, volleyball. (laughs) Thanks, Howlers. Omnisphere lupus. Oh! Oh!